listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.
They were bookmarked. They were maybe linked or shared with someone in that last year. And so we're going to kind of look at what were the top four Bible verses that went viral uh, in this last year. And we're going to kind of start with number four, and we're just going to kind of work our way up to number one. So the fourth most popular Bible verse, the one that kind of went viral on version, was Joshua chapter one, verse nine. And there it says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that, that verse there in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that was the fourth most popular verse highlighted, tweeted, whatever you, know, you want to uh, call that uh, for this you version. One of the things we're going to do is I want to kind of just look at this and say, uh, ask the question, why was this so popular? I mean, what, what is it in this that, that people are attracted to or, or it's resonating um, with them? And so we're going to try to just look at this and say, why this particular verse among all the others that are in the Bible? Why was this verse the fourth most popular one? Now, what is interesting, as you get kind of to verse 9, this is the third time within a short window of eight verses that God has repeated this phrase, be strong and courageous. Now, again, if you know anything about the Bible, oftentimes when something is, is repeated three times, it is done for emphasis. They're really wanting you to understand this is important or, or what is about to follow is very, very important. So oftentimes Jesus would say things like, truly, truly. Uh, he's not stuttering. He's just, he's just saying something and, and he's kind of giving what I'm about to say is going to be very, very important. And so there's something in this that God wants us to see. And, and so he kind of repeats this phrase, be strong and be courageous. Now, first, you need to know, uh, again, context is, is everything. Uh, what is going on? What is the context in which this verse comes forth? Now, interesting, we looked at this particular story a few months back when we were talking about um, the Hall of Faith from Hebrews 11, because Joshua was one of those men of great faith, and we kind of looked into his life, and so we were in uh, Joshua chapter 1 when we did this. So at this point in Joshua chapter 1, if you weren't here or have forgotten, you'll know that God has brought the nation of Israel. You know, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, he's finally brought them to the threshold. They are about to go into the promised land, and, and God is about to just give to him what he has been promising them. So prior to this, again, you remember the nation of Israel, they've just been wandering aimlessly through the wilderness for 40 years because they had rebelled against Moses' leadership, and they also really rebelled against God's command. So the 40 years have expired. Um, the generation that had rebelled against God and Moses, they are dead. A new generation has arisen. By the time you get to Joshua chapter 1, Moses is also dead. And so Joshua now is being tasked, he is being charged with bringing this new generation of Israelites into the promised land and taking it for their own. Now, if you're familiar with the story uh, at all, you'll know Joshua did not have a lot to work with here. 
On the one hand, the Israelites, again, had simply just been wandering. I mean, this is a new generation of people. They've been kind of just wandering, eating quail and manna uh, in the wilderness for 40 years. They're not battle-tested. There were no special forces among them. There were no soldiers. They had very few weapons and absolutely no battle plans. Furthermore, they knew going into this new land that there were going to be new and greater enemies that they were going to need to face and conquer. Among them were the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and the Parasites. Every one of these nations that they were about to face were bigger and stronger and better equipped than this kind of ragtag, inexperienced uh, Jewish nation. And yet Joshua is being given these marching orders by God. He's saying, here's the land, you're going to go in and you're going to take it. And so Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, you kind of find these marching orders that Joshua is given by God. So in these eight verses, verses 2 through 9 in chapter 1, it kind of culminates into probably what is one of the greatest, you know, maybe motivational speeches ever given in in history by God himself. And it really kind of focuses on two words. And and if you look at uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, you'll find these words several times there. And they're the words succeed and prosper. Now, I I say that because I think that may be part of the key as to why this particular verse uh, was so popular among people. God is promising Joshua unqualified success and prosperity, and that is something everybody wants, right? I mean, everybody wants to be successful in life. Everybody wants to prosper, I mean, you go to Amazon.com and you type in those words, you know, books on success, books on uh, prosperity. I mean, it'll come up with thousands and thousands and thousands of books that are speaking to those two topics. Everybody wants to know how to be successful, how to prosper. So in the opening chapter of the book of Joshua... God is kind of giving to Joshua some insights and some keys to success. And the good news is, not only does God want Joshua to be successful and to prosper, but God also wants the same for us as well. And so there in verse 9 is where you kind of find this verse, again, where God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? And so for the third time, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Now, again, God says that. Why? Because we know they're going to go in and face this, this incredible uh, armies uh, that, are, that are well, much more better equipped uh, in warfare. And, and so he's, he's saying to him, even though you know what you're about to face as you go into the promised land, do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, what we're going to discover as we look at these verses again in Joshua chapter 1, what real success is, because it's not oftentimes what the world tries to tell us real success is. And again, the the way to real success, if you boil it down, it really comes down to obeying God's word and doing God's will. That is the basis of success. 
And again, we all have that need to want to succeed and to be prosperous, but there is a right way, there is a wrong way, there's the world's way, and there is God's ways. And so what we want to talk about this morning is what are God's ways to success and prosperity. First key to really kind of understanding or, or being able to walk in that kind of level of success and prosperity is, again, experiencing the presence of God. Now, Joshua, you know, as Moses is dead, Joshua is stepping into some enormous shoes. And we find out immediately uh, in the opening verses of Joshua, and there it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, obviously, Joshua knows at this point Moses is dead. So why is God reminding him of this fact? Well, remember, you got to see from Joshua's position, he's not just following a leader, okay? He's following after a legend. I mean, Moses is, is the most, and, and even to this day, uh, among uh, um, Jews, Moses is one of the most revered figures in Jewish history. I mean, he was Israel's security blanket for 40 years as they kind of wandered into the wilderness. I mean, Israel got into issue and, and trouble after trouble, and it was Moses, his leadership, his following what God would tell him to do that led the nation of Israel out of all of their troubles and difficulties time and time again. He was the one who led this entire nation out of slavery after they had been in bondage to slavery hundreds and hundreds of years. He parts the Red Sea with a staff. I mean, he could command manna to fall from heaven. Uh, I mean, he, Moses had a relationship with God unlike any other man. As a matter of fact, there was a statement made about Moses that is made of no one else in the Bible, and it's found in Exodus 33:11. and there it says, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That was unique to Moses. Moses, again, he, he's very, very tight. There's a very, very intimate relationship between he and God. Now, the one thing that made Moses the great man, the great prophet and leader uh, that he was, God is saying, it is the same thing, Joshua, that I'm going to do that you're going to have as well. And so in Joshua 1.5, God promises Joshua this. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, I got to tell you, when, when Joshua hears those words, that has got to be just a huge load off of him. He, he knows how God was with Moses, how God used him and, and blessed him, and, and how God enabled him to lead the nation of Israel uh, the way that he did. And so there just has to come this sense of relief as he hears those words from God. The way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you as well. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So again, if God is with you, one of the things that you're going to have come out of that is success. Someone once said, and whatever a person does without God, that person must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. Do you know why that statement is true? Again, without God, all success ends in ultimate failure, frustration, and disappointment. Again, biblical success. I mean, 
biblical prosperity is really only achieved by God living his life inside of us and through us. It was C.S. Lewis who once said this. He said, he who has God and everything has no more than the man who has God alone. So God wanted Joshua to kind of understand it's not the size of the man in the battle that counts, but it is the size of the God in the man that counts. So what does that have to do with us today? Well, that same promise that God gave to Joshua, that he would be with him as he was with Moses, is the same promise that God gives to you and I today. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus' parting final words there in Matthew 28, as he's being ascended, he's risen from the dead, he's revealed himself to the disciples, and he is finally going to ascend into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And his final words, the final sentence Matthew records, Jesus says, I will be with you until the very end of the age. And so again, there is that promise given to us as well. God is with us wherever we go. And because of that, we should never, ever be afraid. We should never hesitate to go anywhere God tells us to go, to do anything God tells us to do. Because when God tells us what to do, he doesn't just send us to that place. He takes us to that place. So again, if you enjoy the presence of God, you can know that success is guaranteed in whatever God wants you to do. That's the first key. Second key that, that Joshua came to understand and we need to understand is success comes by obeying the principles of God. So he experiences the presence of God. Now he's being encouraged to obey the principles of God. This, again, is part of God's instruction to Joshua that is just pretty amazing. He says the key to success is really how you and I, how we relate to the word of God. Are we in obedience or are we in rebellion to the word? Joshua 1.7 says this, only be strong and very courageous. And he says, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And he says, do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. And he says, that you may have good success wherever you go. There's that word again, success. If you need to succeed, remember, it pays to obey. So God tells Joshua that if you'll just simply do what the word of God tells you to do, success is going to follow you wherever you go. And then, as if that's not enough, he follows verse 7, and he reinforces it there in Joshua 1, verse 8. He says, the book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There's that word again, prosperous success. This is absolutely, again, one of the boldest promises in the entire Bible. But it has a totally different perspective on success. I mean, you ask people today, I mean, you look in the world today at how people define success. And for a lot of people, they think success is position, it's power, prestige, possessions. But do you know in the Hebrew language, the word success really means to do what is right. That's how the Hebrew language defines the word success. 
do what is right. So success comes, again, from obeying, doing what God's word commands us. So in God's eyes, the way you respond to his word determines whether you're going to be a success or whether you're going to be a failure. So I can imagine as Joshua's kind of hearing all of this coming from God, that the light is kind of just coming on for Joshua. And he maybe kind of comes to this realization, I I don't need Moses. I I don't have to be dependent on him. The nation of Israel, we, we, we don't have to have Moses. We're thankful for what he did, but we know his time is over. A new time has come, and God is going to be with us. Joshua says, what Moses had, I am going to have. And that was the presence of God to guard him and the principles of God to guide him and this nation. Joshua comes to realize that he never had to be afraid. He never had to doubt that when they came into a a time of opposition or where they came into a challenge that would seem to overwhelm them, Joshua knows God's going to be with me just as he was with Moses. And he's going to give us direction and insight because God's word would tell him what to do. Now again, notice how specific God gets here in telling both Joshua and, and as well as us what we're to do with his word to ensure that we are successful in God's eyes. First of all, he says, you've got to look it up. He says in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So what he's saying is, you've got to read this book. And don't just read it. Ingest this book. Digest this book. To the point that its words are literally your words. And again, one of the things you find in scripture is it really does contain solutions to many of life's most difficult situations and challenges. Again, if your heart is full, if your spirit is full of God's truth, your mouth is just going to naturally flow forth with that. So not only do you have look it up, but you'll have let it in. And verse 8, it continues God's instruction to Joshua. He says, you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, the word meditate is a word, again, we've talked about this. It's just the the imagery is a cow chewing its cud, kind of just over and over and over. And and they'll kind of swallow that. They'll burp it back up. And they'll kind of chew on it over and over and over. That's the concept of what that word meditate really means. We're to meditate on it, run it around in our mind, think about it until it becomes so much a part of us that we just kind of begin to see life from God's viewpoint. I realize, again, the very idea of meditating on anything is so countercultural to us today, isn't it? I mean, we don't like anything slow. We don't want to have to be patient about anything. We hate the idea, again, of being still and quiet. We like 140-character tweet and everything instant. But you never waste time when you just think through, again, and meditate on God's word. However, the biggest step to success is when you live it out. God continues in verse 8. He says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous And then you will have good success. Do you understand that? That is the purpose of God's laws. It was to give them success and to cause them to prosper. It's the same for us. 
Oftentimes, we want to do everything we can to shake off the laws, the commands of God. But God's commands then, the purpose of them was for their success and their prosperity. It's the same for us today. God's laws are for us to succeed and to be prosperous. Do you know what the real prosperity gospel is? It's not God wants everybody to be rich. The real prosperity gospel is God wants everybody to be successful by obeying his word. So it's important to read the Bible. It's vital to memorize the Bible. It's great to meditate on the Bible. But none of these will really matter or produce anything until we begin to kind of live it out. So when you read the Bible, meditate on the Bible, you learn about God. But when you obey the Bible, you know God. Meditation, it'll give you knowledge about God. But obedience, it gives you knowledge of God. And again, the proof that you really believe the Bible is that you obey the Bible. That's really when the Word of God will start to come alive in your life. When all of a sudden that light kind of comes on. Have you ever done this? You've, you've, you've read something in the Bible and then you've actually gone and done that. And then you kind of have that Shazam moment. Wow, this really works. That's, that's the whole idea there. God keeps his promises. And so when we simply just obey God's word, God makes things happen, and that will ultimately lead us to success and prosperity. Again, remember in verse 7 where he says to Joshua, he says, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have success wherever you go. Folks, I, I believe there's, there is a time coming in this nation, and I believe in our lifetimes, where we are going to have to look to the leadership of God over our lives in ways we've never had to depend on before. I shared during first service, do you realize we're $20 trillion in debt as a nation? $20 trillion. At the end of George Bush's presidency, we were in $10 trillion worth of debt. And President Barack Obama looked at that as he was running for office uh, at that time, and he said, this $10 trillion debt, it is immoral. We've doubled it under the administration of Barack Obama. And he's not alone. He's had a lot of help in, in running that tab up. But you think about this. Um, we, we hosted Ted Cruz here uh, over the, the primary uh, season. And I asked them, why isn't anybody talking about this? I think at that time it was like $18 trillion in national debt. Nobody was talking about this. I mean, none of the politicians. It's kind of like it just disappeared off of the radar screen. And I couldn't understand that because there was a time where that's all we talked about was just this growing national debt. And they basically just said, there's, there's nothing we can do about this. I mean, this, this amount, it's just insurmountable. So at $10 trillion, if that's how they felt, imagine how they feel at $20 trillion. Folks, there's no answer to this. And that's why politicians aren't doing anything about it. There's nothing you can do. I basically think what they're going to have to do is let this whole system crash, hit the reset button, and we're just going to have to do something different. And I'm telling you, folks, when that day comes, we are going to have to trust in God's leadership in ways we have never had to trust before. So we're to believe what this book teaches, we're, and we're going to go back. We're going to look at this in great detail, because what worked then will work now. 
And that's kind of the whole point of what God is trying to communicate to Joshua. We're not to massage the meaning of God's word. We're not here to make it politically correct. I think most of us in this room have probably had it up to here with political correctness. That's not our job. But to speak spiritual truth. And the more of this book we believe and obey, again, the more successful, the more prosperous we're going to be. Third key to success comes by fulfilling the purpose of God. God made a promise to the nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. And Joshua is my man that's going to lead the charge. At this point, Joshua now kind of discovers, here's my purpose on earth. Here's why God has me here and now. Joshua 1.6 says this, be strong and courageous for you, Joshua, shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. What you see there in that verse, that is Joshua's purpose in life. This was his calling. This was his destiny. This is why God put him in the place, in the position he did when he did it. The greatest discovery a person can ever make is knowing why he or she was created. Why are you here? Why now? Why not 100 years later? Why not 100 years earlier? Why now? Why are you here now? God has a plan, a purpose, and a reason for that. You're not here by happenstance. The greatest discovery a person can make is knowing here is why I'm here. This is God's purpose, his plan for my life now. The greatest tragedy is to go through life and never know, again, the purpose for why you were put here. You look around at people today, and they generally kind of fall into three categories. There are some people who have absolutely no purpose in life. They seem to kind of just drift aimlessly through life. They go to school, get a job, switch jobs, find a spouse, switch spouses, you know, find a house, move to another house, retire and die. They never really find their purpose in life. Then there are people who have kind of the wrong purposes in life. There are people that are maybe kind of super achievers or overachievers. They're very driven. They, maybe they're climbing the ladders of financial, political, social success, and they kind of get close to the top of that ladder, and all of a sudden they come to the discovery they're leaning it up against the wrong wall. They went into eternity realizing, perhaps for the first time, that any success without God is ultimately failure. Then there is that person like Joshua who has kind of found the right reason. They found the reason for their purpose, for their being in life. They know why they were created. They believe that God put them here on this earth for a very specific purpose, to fulfill his purpose, and they're doing what they believe God's purpose and plan is for their life. So I want to say it again. Success is finding the will of God for your life, and then it's obeying the word of God. Success in God's eyes, folks, it has nothing to do with what success looks like to the world. It has nothing to do with prosperity, popularity, possessions, power, or position. It all comes down to purpose. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your well-being, not for your calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen again to what God says to Joshua in verse 5. No man 
shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Do you understand what God was saying to Joshua there? God was saying, you know what, Joshua? If you will, if you'll heed my word, if you'll obey my word, if you'll do my will, if you will fulfill the purpose for which I've put you on this planet, Joshua, you will become an irresistible force. Nothing, no one will be able to stop you. Joshua, you will become an immovable object if you'll heed my word and obey my word. Every foe you meet, Joshua, will be every foe you defeat. Nothing or no one can stand against you. That's what he was saying to him there. I truly believe a person cannot die as long as they are in the will of God until it is the will of God that they die. Let me just say that again. A person cannot die as long as they are in the will of God until it is the will of God that they die. The Bible is not about us. It's not about our own personal fulfillment. It's not ultimately about personal success. It's not ultimately about personal happiness. I've said this before, God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. And I believe that true happiness is a derivative of holiness. The Bible is about God's plan for us. What is his purpose for you? How does that fit into today's world? And God's purpose is that we discover that, that we fulfill it, that we live it out. And when we do, God will feed our need for success with the only success that matters in this life. Let me just close with this. One of the greatest all-time movies is a movie called Ben-Hur. If you've never really seen this movie, you should. It's just, it's an incredible uh, movie. I know they're getting ready to come out with a remake of that movie, I think in theaters like August 19th, so coming up here quickly. I did recall reading an article not too long ago that the new producer of this new movie, Ben-Hur, that they, uh, he, he said in the interview that he had kind of went in and he stripped out all of the miraculous from the Ben-Hur that Charlton Heston was in. So you really need to see the movie Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston in it because it, it, the miraculous is really part of what makes the movie so awesome. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do with it in the theaters. And I'm, my guess is if once you start stripping out the miraculous, I'm not sure there's much of a story there to be told. But anyway, Ben-Hur is a movie which won many, many, probably the most Academy Awards of any movie in history. Uh, in this particular uh, the most popular version of Ben-Hur, Charlton Heston. Uh, he's the man who plays the hero, uh, Ben-Hur. And actually in the movie, Charlton Heston, in order to, to do this movie, had to learn how to ride and to drive a chariot. And he had to really kind of learn how to, how to do all of this in real life. And so uh, he was in a chariot race in the movie. If you've not ever seen the movie, he's in a chariot race uh, and, and, and he wins. So obviously they had to train him as he's learning to drive this, training him to win this race. But he was having an awful time trying to learn how to drive and to steer and to ride the chariot. At one point, he is just so totally frustrated, and he goes to the director of this film, Cecil B. DeMille, and he says, Mr. DeMille, I'm sorry, but I can barely stay on this chariot. He said, I've tried and tried and tried. I just cannot get the hang of this. I, I, there's no way I'm going to win this race. 
And Cecil B. DeMille looked at him and he said, son, your job is just to stay on the chariot. My job is to make sure you win. We were put on this earth, again, really to experience the presence of God, to obey God's principles, just living them out in our life, and then again, to find, to discover, and to fulfill God's purpose for you and I. And when we do that, God will make sure that we win. I know it's difficult sometimes. I know there's a lot of challenges to doing this. But again, our job is just hang in there. God will make sure we win, that we are successful and prosperous. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we just thank you for this time this morning, Father. And I would just ask as we come before you, as again we just enter into your presence, we just continue to linger here in your presence this morning. And God, I would just ask, Lord, that you would kind of just begin to align our hearts, our spirits with your heart this morning. That God, again, as we oftentimes look to the world for its definition of what it means to be successful and to be prosperous, and yet, God, we turn to your word, the truth, and God, we see something that is just totally different. And so, God, would you just, again, align our hearts, unify our hearts with you, that God, our idea of success and prosperity is your idea of success and prosperity, that we would see what you see. So, Father, I just ask, Lord, that as we come into this place this morning, that by your spirit again, God, that you would just align our hearts with yours. Father, I pray for people here this morning who may be like that individual I spoke of that kind of just wanders aimlessly in life, or that person who maybe is kind of climbing the ladder of worldly success, and they're coming to that realization that, man, I think I've got this up against the wrong wall. God, again, would you just come and realign our hearts with yours this morning? That, God, you would give us a sense of purpose. Again, as we talked about that scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11, let that be our vision, let that be our destiny. That you have come to instill hope and purpose in our lives. And, God, that just, again, comes through experiencing your presence, obeying your principles, and just allowing your purpose for us to be fulfilled in this earth. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, again, that you'll just align our hearts with that vision, align our hearts with your heart this morning. We just thank you, God, that when we do that, even though we may not do that perfectly, but, God, as we again just seek to make that adjustment, that, God, you again would just begin to reward us, to lead us, to those places of of your success, of your prosperity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.